Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Picking blueberries here with uh, an original Mary Prankster and a guy who thinks he's probably told every story, but he really hasn't. George Walker, <laughs> welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Yeah, right on. Uh, listen to the Jake Steinberg. I can't even sing it. Jake Feinberg. Feinberg. Listen to the Jake Feinberg Show and you'll learn something. What have you learned from my show, brother? Uh... Gosh, I don't know that a lot of people are interested. Can I ask you, have you learned stuff about the other Merry Pranksters? Uh, probably not much. I probably already knew most of what I know. Right, but I mean, if somebody was like, being a music fan, being a drummer, what can you relate to it as it, as it relates to the... <clears throat> do you read a lot of the vignettes you see? or I mean, how do you access my show? I don't. I, uh, oh, I read what you what That's you what post. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I read what you post, sure. And how would you describe that to a lay person? Uh, interesting sources of, of information on the inside. I love it. On the inside. Yeah, rogue journalist. Um, yeah, exactly. I want to talk about the abyss for a minute. This is fascinating. You're telling me that Hagen in 61 got a license to, to rent out a no, basement? Can you talk about this jazz club you guys started? Uh, he, he, it, was, it was the era of when... The, the whole beatnik thing was becoming popular, and uh, you know we were kind of getting into that kind of stuff and smoking weed, if we could ever find any, and uh, you know listening to jazz and, and all the stuff that was cool. And uh, Hagen was always always had ideas. He had more ideas than anybody, uh, and he thought, oh, it'd be fun to have a like a little coffee tea house place where people could come and play jazz and you know we could sell flavored tea and uh, no alcohol no alcohol no, alcohol. no. no we, we, we were on campus uh, at that time the campus was dry uh, you couldn't sell alcohol or consume alcohol on campus uh, legally so let me ask you, I mean how did he retain how did was he savvy enough to actually get a hold of the building in the first place he just rented the house just rented the house, yeah. and ultimately it became Sonny King, and, and that's where you met Nancy King and those cats? Yeah, I, I knew Nancy. Before that? Yeah, yeah, she was around town. Uh, she was one of those people that we knew. Sure. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out where I am here. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we just rounded up every time, got to know who the musicians around were that could play jazz. Right. And, uh, He'd contact them and say, hey, come and play. My cousin Benji was a, a good source of, of knowing people. Benji was a classmate of Ken's in, in school in Springfield. They were the same age. Wow. Uh, Benji Doris. Uh, he was also a musician. He was a piano player, a good jazz piano player. This is your... My my second or third cousin Benji Doris. Unbelievable! Is he still with us? No, he died. He died. Uh, he was he was uh, well, he was Ken's age. And, and right. Benji uh, saved me from being the black sheep of the family. He was a jazz musician and a junkie. <laughs> I love it. So you got to get out of jail free card. So I got yeah right. Yeah. Well, at least I'm not like Benji. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just I just wanted you to. Talk about your not so much your what his legacy is, but like the twister or I'm not even any opportunities you had to be on the bandstand with Arzinia Richardson. Uh, 
He used to do that trick or the squirrel, double the bear, but that might have been Maddox and those cats. Yeah, that was, but now yeah. we're doing a puppet show of trick or the squirrel. Wow. Uh, Want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, and then touch on Arzinia, too. There's a lady that's been living here for about a year, a young lady. Her name is uh, Bridget Clancy, and she's astonishingly talented. Uh, she makes costumes, clothing, that are uh, spectacular. Every, mm-hmm. Everywhere she goes, people are just staring at her for just the way she dresses. She's so spectacular. She's also one of the smartest people I've ever known. Uh, terrific artist. Great singer. She sings jazz. She's way into jazz. One of the reasons she likes it here is because I like jazz and I play it on the radio. Absolutely. Uh, she's not here this week. She went She went to the Dead & Company and then on to San Francisco to see if she could find some music. But uh, Bridget made these puppets. Uh, somebody, I think it was probably Milton Rosenberg, suggested to her, you guys ought to do a puppet show. And I don't know where he got the idea. But So uh, Bridget made a bunch of puppets. Wow. Uh, all the characters in uh, Trick or the Squirrel. Uh, and a Kesey puppet for the narrator. And uh, that, I want it. That Kesey puppet could sell. In the in the hundreds of thousands. Oh, that, you got no idea how much work these things are to make. I believe. No, I'm saying like that would be popular though. Oh yeah. Well, it was a big hit. Uh, we we took it to uh, Skull and Roses in Ventura. You did. And we did a show every day there. And we're still not very good at it. Who's uh, in the band? Uh, whoever. Anybody? Well, I mean, you didn't bring just whoever to. No, no, we to... didn't. We didn't even have music. Uh, it was it was just spoken word. So who was it though? Uh, well, we changed off. And different different people read different parts. We just read the parts uh, and did these hand puppets. Yeah, but Skull and Roses in Ventura. Yeah. So who was involved? Uh, Bridget and me, and uh, another guy who lives here now, who's also not here. He's with Bridget. Uh, they're traveling to California this week. Uh, Gabe Adams and. Uh, Various people that showed up, uh, we just we just sign them up. Say, okay, here you read this part. We give them a script. I love it because uh, here's a, here's a puppet. Here's a script. You're on, and we do shows. And we we do one or two shows a day. Uh, reading Trick or the Squirrel with these puppet characters, and uh, people really dug it. it. It was a lot of fun, and we're going to do more of it. Um. That is fantastic stuff. I was going to say, do you, do you see yourself incorporating music at some point? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> you know? We'll talk, talk, I mean, what about Arzinia? Were you on the bandstand with him? Uh, playing music? No, but we were... Have you seen Twister, the, the TZ play? Um... It, is it available online or something? Or it, otherwise, uh, no. Zane, Zane has has uh, has edited uh, videos of it. Uh huh. He holds on to that stuff pretty close. Um. You can, anyway, yeah. So, so, so was he in? But, but, but Arzinia and I were like uh, we had uh, our roles in the play. Uh, were interacting with each other. I played the Tin Man. And he played this uh, African god Legba. 
Legba. That's right. He played Legba. And uh, so, so we uh, in the play we interact against each other, and so uh, you know we were like. So uh, were you working on 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 lines together? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That is sick. I think I think uh, Twister's a good play. I, uh, we're we've actually talked about uh, reproducing it. And maybe even doing it with puppets. We've been talking about maybe doing it with puppets. Wow. Well, that would make sense. You just talk about still the the, the mystical qualities of this, the Northwest. Like, to me, like, just coming up here from Tucson, it's 110 every day. There's no rain. We're living in the desert. It rained here today. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it goes from sunny to blue, you know, and uh, and everything in between. And... You know, there's still a funkiness that it's like a big middle finger to the corporate greed, you know, and yeah. it's not perfect. But I just wanted you to talk about the mystique of this land and ultimately, you know, why you've habitated here for so long. Well, I grew up in Oregon, and uh, so I kind of feel at home. Well, I didn't I didn't know you grew up in Oregon. Yeah, I grew up in Eugene. I was born in Eugene. But then you went down to, to Perry Lane, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stanford. Yeah, my my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, all born in Eugene. Wow, we go way back. Uh, big farming family. My ancestors on my mother's side uh, were uh, the big filbert farmers. Uh, what does that mean? Hazel, hazelnuts. Oh, and uh, maybe the first commercial filbert farmers in America. Yeah, and certainly in the west, west of the Mississippi, they were here in the 1800s planting filbert trees. And so I, I'm kind of, in a sense, have roots here. Do you feel like the whole state is part of you, or do are you more? Do you feel a different vibe when you go to Eugene as opposed to Portland as opposed to Scappoose? Well, yeah, kind of. You describe those feelings because I mean, I like even though I haven't spent an a seven hundredth of the time that you, I mean, nothing even close to someone like you, years and years, and I mean, I still feel regional vibe, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I just want to talk about how that vibe never gets suffocated, even with all the, the corporate greed and the and the conformity. You know, there, there's, there's kind of like different factions. Oregon is... Uh, it's a factionist place. Yeah, it's it's both very. Uh, is it called factitious? Very, is that a word? No. Very hippie-like, and it's also uh, very redneck at the same time. Right. It just kind of depends on who, you, where you are, and who you're talking to sure. at the time. Uh, uh, a lot, you know, the the uh, the logging industry, the farming industry, they tend to be really conservative. Uh, there's a lot of old old time big money here from all of that, and. Uh, and there's all the hippies. Just bean that, counters and, and people that just, yeah, you know, have a certain work and, ethic and they just want to keep, yeah. All the hippies that showed up for whatever reason. And so it's... But don't you think that, that part of the state, I mean, breeds that? I mean, it's an indigenous quality, yeah. you know? Probably so, yeah. It's tough, man. We were just downtown. He was busking on the corner and uh, my friend Johnny Franco. And uh, it's tough, man. Were there... Were, I mean, cities were, it's hard to say this, New York was a really rough place in the early 70s. My folks always tell me that even though I think that's the best period of American music, they always tell me you would get mugged if you went into New York. You know, east side, lower east side, going down to those places. But man, I'm not saying I feel 
I feel uh, endangered. But the squalor in downtown Portland is astounding. I know you don't get out it, a lot, it's but all over the country. It's not you're damn right it is. And there's some places the blight is worse, though. It's no, worse here. The whole fucking country is, uh, is like that now. Uh, <coughs> the homelessness. Uh, everywhere, every city is just inundated with homeless people. And, uh, is that is that just like? The grand scheme of, of Uncle I think so. yeah, I think Explain so. to people, just break down why, because you're not a conspiracy theorist, you're a progressive cat, you're very enlightened, you've read a lot of books, you're a prankster, all right, you're picking blueberries right now. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, How is that, a, is that master plan, uh, is it, uh, is there, a de- there's, there's a, a devious quality to it? I, I don't think that because people are starving people are dying oh I know I don't the mental illness I I don't think that what has developed was the plan the plan is essentially just uh, unbridled greed and power on a part of the right wing uh, the fascist people who are trying like hell to uh, be the only force and they've managed through their various policies, uh, political and, and tax policy and so forth, they've driven all the money to the top. Uh, and that was the plan, you know, just the few rich people to be the richest people in the world, and everybody else is tough shit. I mean, they've been t- chopping away at it for 80 years, right? Yeah, it really gained it, momentum uh, when Reagan was president. Yeah, I mean, what was it like, in, because, I mean... Even Nixon, there was, you, you look at books from that time, there were people talking about building underground homes. I mean, it was, we basically haven't progressed since that time environmentally or in terms of building housing and stuff. When, and, when I was a kid, uh, I went to the University of Oregon, as a lot of my friends did. It cost about $250 a year. Uh, that's, a, that's like a, a parking space now for a semester. Well, if even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's seventy-two grand for a year to go to. Uh, I went to Stanford Law School for a while. Uh, that cost about thirteen hundred, about thousand hundred dollars a year to, to get a full-on law degree. To go to Stanford, a very expensive private university, one of the most prestigious schools in the country. Well, let me ask you something. I mean, some the competition. I mean, I have two daughters. One that's basically college age and getting ready to apply, and she's got a really great chance. And I'm sending the prayers to Kesey right now to get her into a. She can go to anywhere she wants. And she she's earned it. But the competition is so much more severe. So there's two questions I have. Um, were things easier in your day? I mean, I know cats that went to Berkeley. Even if you were an in-state resident, you could go to Berkeley for free. It really didn't matter what your grades were. Uh, yeah, I went to Berkeley for a year. I think it cost me $200. Uh, I was in-state by then. I'd been at Stanford, so I was in-state. I transferred right. from Stanford to Berkeley because it was cheaper. And, and Berkeley was cool then. Uh, but kids that were poor, or yeah. really poor kids, could go to college... Uh, work a, an easy part-time job and work summers, and pay get their by. tuition, buy a car, 
uh, take care of their housing, all their expenses, save money, get out of school with money in pocket, done with a degree, uh, jobs are available. Uh, the, some kids uh, went in the military because that was even more lucrative if they needed to. But I knew kids that were, you know, like their dads had died in the war and they were just, I mean, destitute poor. And uh, they could work part-time and keep up with everybody else in, and not be in debt. When I was a kid, yeah. when I was in college, here's what a student loan was. Hey, man, uh, I got a hot date tonight. I'm a little short. Can you loan me 10 bucks so I can take my date out to uh, a dinner and a movie and drinks and everything? And I'll pay you on Tuesday when I get paid. That was a student loan. <laughs> So, but, but, I mean, back in the 60s, they were throwing all these, so there's a lot of mental illness on the street now, and the question really is, what do you do, how do you, how do, you do something humane and actually get these people to help themselves? Back in the 60s, you know, Pat Martino, the great guitar player, rest in peace, he was institutionalized for having migraine headaches, which turned out to be a tumor, they were giving him electric shock therapy. So, I mean, where's the, what are you supposed to, listen, I mean, I'm just saying there's, we know it's an epidemic, but what are you going to do? Walk? I mean, you can build sustain, sustainable housing. People can't be fixed. I think they're broken. So what do you do about that? Well, I don't know. You know, it isn't like, okay, we've really fucked it up, and we spent 40 years really fucking it up. Now here's an easy solution. We can just fix it. No, right. I don't think so. I don't think we can That's fix right. it. Uh, I think it's going to take a very long time and a lot worse grief than we're seeing now uh, before anybody does anything that's going to really fix it. Right. We're still on life support. I think we yeah. fucked it up. I think I think we've screwed the pooch, as they say. We cracked the egg. Yeah, I, I think America's broken. And, uh, is, it ir- ir- is it irreplaceable, or what are the values that are going well, to happen? It's never going to be like it was. You know, I mean, things don't go backwards. Things always go forward. Right. The question is, uh, are we going to just be a failed state uh, and become another third world country that used to be great? Or are we going to uh, move forward and turn into something good again? And I don't know. I know that if people don't get out and vote, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I don't believe the polls. I don't see how in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't care if 80 million Trump voters come out. 85 million other people will come out. There's plenty. I mean, to me, like, I don't allow myself to get sucked into that toxicity because I just know that, that there's still a good over evil uh, it, we're seeing it in real time which is really quite remarkable I mean it's true good versus evil well, I, I absolutely is you know I mean Nixon was like I, a rat and a, and a fucker and like you know what it was still like had three TV channels everybody was getting vanilla news it was obvious he was a crook it was over now everybody's you know in debt ridden they've got they're working three jobs <laughs> some of them are completely on the conspiracy train and so you have 75 million people that show up and vote for Trump but I still believe in fact, I think this election will be even more of a statement. I think you'll get 80, maybe 90 million people. So I think in, in some ways people need to get out and vote, and I think they will because I think what we're talking about right now, a majority of people feel that way. What can you do beyond vote and inspire change in your world? I went to a concert last night and raised the collective consciousness. Everybody was bouncing around the room by the end of the night. And you can't, everybody was coming up to me after the show saying, thank you so much, that was fantastic. The musicians were smiling, they were just out of their thinking mind. That's was, what you can do. Right. So, I mean, that's, I mean, to me, it's like, hey, yeah, 
we're hanging on by a, by a thread, but you know what? It's still strong. The thread is still strong. Uh, they've got to make some some really basic changes somehow. Uh, the guys that were uh, dictating to Reagan what the deal they wanted was because Reagan was just a dumb shit. He was just somebody. That, well, he was an actor. You know, he's, he, he, he had, wasn't even a good actor. What he was right. was, a, was a pitch man. He was the, the greatest pitch man. Right. He had like sales seen. pitch charisma. That's, and that's yep. a, that's a lot of people's that's that's superficial. That's good enough for them. Well, it sold the ideas that they wanted sold. You won forty nine states. They got uh, the the way they have dealt with the media that was as destructive as anything. Yeah. Getting rid of the fairness doctrine uh, and all the dark money the, in politics. The, the now. dark yeah. money, yeah. all the dark money in politics. And, uh, it's corrupted uh, the Supreme Court now, you know? Oh, it's a corrosive thing, you know? Ever. Worst ever. Yeah, it, we're in real trouble. Walker, I mean, can you talk about something? Okay, because because when I'm with you, I never feel like we're in trouble. <laughs> and I just ask you, what are you looking forward to, even in the near in, in the near future, creatively, that you're looking to get stuff off your chest? Because that's all we can do. All we can do is lift the spirits of the people in our world. Yep. That's about it. So, what what are you looking forward to? Tell the audience what you got look on the on the horizon, if anything. Or, you know, well, trick of the squirrel puppet plays, or that's just entertainment. It's just something to do. Uh, I'm to the point where you know I'm 84 years old. I just had a birthday. Uh, I'm probably not going to be around no matter 25 or 30 years. And you know, it's uh, sometimes I just want to get live throughout the rest of my days uh, more or less reasonable fashion and try to pass on any random wisdom that should land in my head try to pass it on hope that people will respond in ways that uh, make the place function better for people yeah sometimes like when you're performing as an artist or creating you know when you don't do it for a while, you, you kind of begin to doubt that mysticism, and then you got to do it again to, to feel that inspiration, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just a faith thing with me, you know, where it's like you can't recreate something like that. You know, when you guys have people, you know... Now, I think it's a mistake to try to recreate the past. I think that we always need to move forward. I'm not talking about the past. I'm talking about the vibe of creation in, in, in on the bandstand or uh, or... or in theater, you can't replicate the vibe when you have the collective consciousness of the audience there together. You can't do that in, in a room somewhere. No, you're right. Uh, By yourself. I mean, maybe you got, I mean, I know you guys did plenty of stuff at La Honda as a group. You, you get a group together, that's cool, but I'm just talking about free, you know, you do a lot of creative improvisation, you play instruments, you're not considering yourself somebody who's really a, you know, a, a musician with a lot of facility, but you just don't give a fuck, you know? Right. And so what I'm talking about is, like, that can't be replicated. And, and like, that's something you still look forward to doing. Yeah, for some reason, uh, people are amused by what we do. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, there's levity. You don't take yourselves that seriously, but you take well, what you do. that's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, not taking yourself too seriously, I think, is a really important thing. Uh, I had a, a really wise friend when I was, like, college age. A guy I'd gone to school with for years. And he said one time, you know, if you go around giving a shit, 
you'll just end up a mountain to something. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's about it. That, that is such a great line, a mountain yeah. of something. Yeah, you know, well, that's what, that was a line that we, our parents used to get. If you do that, you'll never amount to anything. You know, you don't straighten up, you'll never amount to anything. We all heard that. That was the, the line that our, a lot of our parents used to lay Of course, of course. Fucking up his kids. Um, sending healing vibes to uh, Walker's pickup truck. Uh, when I got here today, he was amidst uh, almost in a calamitous state over the... the, the I, I, I'm on top of it now. I just got to assemble everything. I've, I've got it all. We're going to get that thing up and running in the next few hours, right? Oh, uh, maybe not. I may have to go get some more stuff. But, oh, we get the fuel system together. Day to day, man. And uh, older than dirt. George Walker, man. Such a great opportunity to see you again, man. It's I feel the presence of Keezy and Paige Browning and you know all the all the shaman cats that uh, you know that you hung with and, and created a, a real cultural vibe. You know it's really rubbed off on me, and I I wouldn't have been able to get there without you guys, Babs, and all you cats. So thank you. Well, yeah, it takes all of us, man. We're all, we're all in this. And I think people that are doing different things. Yeah, yeah. It, there'd be no point being the same. Well, what was it that Dylan said? Uh, so many things he said. Well, uh, <laughs> no sense talking to me, just like talking to you. <laughs> right, 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 right. Talking to me is like talking to you. Yeah, I can't remember the line. That's a great line. I got to look that yeah, up. I yeah. can't think of the right line. I quote Dylan a lot uh, as I'm. Talking close. to me is like talking to you, dude. <laughs> Um, George Walker, man. For wisdom. Yeah. Uh, well, you, oh, you quote him for wisdom, yeah. Yeah, I quote Dylan for wisdom a lot. Uh, he was one of the wisest people of our age. Well, I've got a farm, a redneck's tan. I'm going to cut, cut the cord here with George Walker. Thank you so much for being so, part of the program, brother. Oh, you're certainly welcome, man. Uh, thank you for uh, helping spread the word. There'd be no point doing it if nobody knew. Absolutely. And the vibrations are out there and the tentacles are getting deeper and deeper into the world. So thank you, brother. Yeah, I, I think that we still have a chance. Of, uh, we have to. That's all we got. Yeah. Got to have a chance. We're making something out of it. It's the Jake Feinberg Show from Scapoose. See you later. Tune in to the Jake Steinberg.